John 15:17 to 16:4 says this These things I command you so that you will love one another If the world hates you know that it has hated me before it hated you If you were of the world the world would love you as its own But because you are not of the world but I chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. And if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you them. I told them to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its faithfulness to us, uh, to strengthen us, encourage us, build us up, um, give us strength. And Lord, we pray for uh, this message that you have for us this morning, that your Holy Spirit will be speaking through me and and to us this morning, um, that we would have a firm foundation in, in Jesus, in His love for us, in His promises to us. And we trust that you have us where we are for reason and purpose and for your glory. It's in His name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> um. It may be of no surprise uh, to anybody here, but um, our country feels very divided sometimes. Anyone get that? <laughs> you know? Um, a lot of times that's how we feel in this current era. And I'm not going to get into any political side of that or anything at all. But I think it's true from whatever side you're standing on that it feels very divided here. And that's unfortunate. But, um, you know, it, it makes us think and, and probably think a lot about, man, why can't we just like get along? You know, why can't we be civil? Why can't we have good conversation uh, about things that we disagree about? And uh, as I was driving home from the coffee shop yesterday, I was behind someone that had, you know, one of those coexist stickers on. And for the longest time, I was like, really didn't like those stickers a lot. Like, really. 
It's like really rubbed me the wrong way entirely. Um, I don't think I have a problem with them, actually. I've thought some more about it, and I think that at least the, the statement, just in itself, I'm, there might be more agenda behind it and more thought behind it, but think about that statement, coexist. I mean, on the face of just, just that alone, I, I think I can agree with that concept, right? And, and I think I wish that we had more of that in our country, that, that we had more sort of unity and coexisting happening without hatred. Um, as you may have heard from the passage, we're talking a little bit about hate today, which is a great topic. <laughs> Love expositional preaching straight through the word. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but... You know, the coexist concept is that, okay, we all have these differences, but we should be able to, like, get along. And so I agree with that. I agree with the understanding that we, we ought to be able to get along despite our differences. That we ought to be able to coexist with each other without any hatred toward one another. That, that ought to happen. Uh, what I don't agree with, which is typically connected to it, is that I don't agree with an, a, an understanding that all of these religions represented by coexist lead to the same place. That, that's what has typically rubbed me the wrong way about that sticker is that it feels like it's saying these are all going to the same place. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes, and it's, it's the truth, I'll state it very plainly, and we've stated it very plainly from here, uh, but it's a hard truth for us to like sit with sometimes, that the Bible doesn't leave us any room for that kind of approach to that message. Um, and the truth is, I, I don't think that any of those other faiths would think that as well. The fact is that each of these faiths are very different. Um, I found this article on everystudent.com uh, that gave just a very brief description of some faiths and their differences and why they're irreconcilable. So Hinduism, Buddhism, New Age spirituality, Islam, and Christianity, five top faiths in our world, in the global world. They, They don't go together in terms of their fundamental beliefs. You can't have but you have to choose one or the other. They, they don't mesh. Hindus believe, uh, acknowledge a multitude of gods and goddesses. Buddhists say there is no deity. So those don't work together, right? Already. New Age spirituality says that we're God. So that doesn't work with Buddhism because there's no God there, so if we're God, then there's no, those don't work. Muslims believe in a powerful but unknowable God. That doesn't work too well with Christians who believe in a loving God who created us to know him. <laughs> it just doesn't hold, right? That these things can be held together as, as the same. And so when we look at a sticker like coexist and say, okay, what does that mean? What it doesn't mean is that we just all have the same beliefs. <laughs> That's not true. 
But what can happen is approaching that reality in a way that is loving and humble, right? Uh, the, the fact that I have differences with someone else is it's a fact. But how I approach them is very important. And I think that you'll see as we go through this passage that that's what John is highlighting in the words of Jesus here, um, is that, listen, you're going to be hated for your belief because your belief is different than the beliefs of other people. And we shouldn't be surprised by that fact. So how does Jesus start this out? He says in verses 18 to 25, basically, that uh, we're going to be hated. His disciples are going to be hated for their belief in Jesus' name. And I've sectioned this into two pieces, uh, the world hating them and uh, the, the Lord's people hating them. That is Israel in particular, who Jesus first came to. In verses 18 to 21, I think we see uh, the world hating the disciples. Um, starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. He's stating to them very from the outset that if the world hates you, know that there's a reason for that. That, that the, the locus of their hatred towards you is actually because of my name. Now step back into the context that John is writing this. Okay, John is preparing this letter for a group of individuals in the first century in the Roman Empire. Okay, and so when he's saying, if the world hates you, he's re-quoting Jesus' words, if the world hates you. You know what's happening? The world is hating the Christians at this point. This is very important for them to receive this message that Jesus said a hundred years ago, guys, uh, or 50, 60 years ago, guys, that, that the world was going to hate you because of this. Back then, it was very uh, stark. If you said Jesus is Lord, you are going against the Roman authority that Caesar is Lord. That's what's happening. And so naturally, hatred was going to come on you because of Jesus' name. Jesus says, if the world hated me, if the world put the Savior on the cross, then they're going to put you on crosses too. They're, they're going to hate you too, right? And that's what he's telling them, that hatred will come because of my name. So we see this is happening. Uh, there is the promise from Jesus that, that my name is going to cause uh, some division. Um, I was reminded as I was reading through this passage of Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is presented at the temple, and Simeon comes and prophesies over Jesus, and he says this, um, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. There is Joseph and Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and, a, and for a sign that is opposed, so that the, that the thoughts uh, from many hearts may be revealed. What is he saying there? <laughs> Jesus, at, at his birth, okay, when he's presented at the temple, it is said of him by a prophet that this man will cause the rising and the falling, the division of people, 
the, the knowing of where their hearts truly lie. See, the reason that Christians often get a, a good amount of hatred from world and world religion is that we claim to have the only way. And that the only way is through the man named Jesus who came. And people don't like that. Uh, globally. <laughs> and, uh, and so Luke in this, in, in, or Jesus in the very beginning presented before the temple, it said of him, he will cause the rising and the falling, the discerning of many hearts that they might be revealed. Um, a sign that it is opposed Jesus tells them from the very beginning before he even goes to the cross, if people hate you, it is because of my name. He goes on in verses 22 to 25 to talk about, uh, I think, to talk about uh, his people in particular, his own people. John started out this book sort of saying that he first came to his own people and his own people rejected him. His own people, I think, being Israel, uh, being the, the people that he was ministering to there specifically, uh, verses 22 to 25. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Jesus came to his own. Jesus was born um, as the Messiah to the Jews and to the world, but chiefly first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so I think what he's talking about in verses 22 to 25 is that when he came and, and did the works of the Messiah, when he came and preached the words of the Messiah to his people, and they rejected him, when it says uh, they would not have been guilty of this particular sin had I not come. They would not have been guilty of that. See, this generation that Jesus stepped into and presented the works and words of the Father to them, they particularly rejected Jesus the Messiah. So it can be a little confusing when you read that passage and say, well, they wouldn't have been guilty of sin if he hadn't come and done works and said words. You know, what he's talking about is, they wouldn't have been guilty of specifically rejecting the Messiah who is right in front of them. He's not saying Jesus hadn't come and they wouldn't have had any sin. Because that's kind of how it reads. But what's revealed in there is that they don't just hate me, but they hate my Father also. Man. It's so hard. Hate is a very strong word. I really don't like it. <laughs> don't like saying it. I don't like even reading it very much. Um, and in some countries, it's it's definitely not too strong of a word. You know, we we pray for many countries here often, uh, where the name of Jesus is met with hate and murder. You know, and. Um, in the U.S., you know, it doesn't feel like hate is, hate feels like a really strong word to me here. Um, I feel like dislike <laughs> might be more common for us uh, as, as believers as we interact with the world. Um, but, you know, 
Maybe that's just the beginning. I'm not sure. Um, maybe hate isn't too strong a word. It's very tough for me. I'm just being very transparent on this. It's tough for me to hear the word hate and feel like, man, I've really, I've really like gotten a lot of hate because of the name of Jesus. But I know some of you um, have. And, uh, and, you know, I think we, we shouldn't be surprised if we do. This truth is throughout 1 John 3, 13 even says, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. John here again is saying, um, your word causes division, Lord. When you claim that you have the only way, people aren't going to like that very much. It's going to rub against the mentality of, can't we just coexist? And I'll say, yeah, we can. We can have a good conversation together about the differences in our beliefs, but we cannot agree if we don't agree, right? We can't be truthful and have a truthful conversation unless we tell you exactly what we believe, unless you tell me exactly what you believe. This is where we transition to the next couple verses of this. Um, In spite of the division that's caused by sort of the fundamental beliefs that we hold as people, um, I believe there's a way forward that we are called to as Christians, particularly. Um, And just to get this portion out of the way, um, it is probably 99%, maybe 100%, never the case that picketing is like part of that, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and even like writing the word hate towards someone that is different than you on a sign. Like that's probably never uh, appropriate uh, behavior for a Christian to interact with someone that disagrees with you. Unfortunately, that is the perspective that many people have of Christians, is that that's what they would prefer to do uh, to communicate their beliefs, is take their picket sign and go stand across the street from someone they disagree with and just like shake it at them, you know? And so let's get that, set that aside. That's not who we are. That's not who we were ever called to be and that's not who we are. Verses 26 and 27 tell us who we are. When you're confronted with this reality that, that your beliefs in Jesus are are exclusionary, right? Our exclusive claims about how to approach God. Um, these words are important for us to remember in our approach to those that God has sovereignly placed us around. Verse 26. Okay? The world's going to hate you, but... The world's going to hate you because of Jesus' name, but when the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Okay, so the first thing, right? Holy Spirit knows the situation. (laughs) The Holy Spirit knows that there is a disagreement, an incongruency between what the world believes and what you believe. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and challenge the hearts and minds of men. Holy Spirit is at work in the conversations and relationships in which you find yourselves today. 
you find yourself receiving dislike or even hate or uh, what have you from those who know you're a Christian, know your faith in Jesus, and are picking at you because of that, know this, that the Holy Spirit is present in you and is present in the conversation. So invite him into it. Make sure he's a part of it from yourself, but also recognize that he is a part of it in this other person's life as well, and and vital to it, actually. So that's part one. Part two, verse 27, you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The two players in the conversation with those who disagree with you about the fundamental approach to God. Holy Spirit, God, right? And you, who know Jesus. If you're wondering about how to approach someone who disagrees with you about your faith, and I think what he's saying is, you will bear witness how in the way that you have seen me bear witness from the beginning. So when you're wanting to share Jesus with someone, think about how Jesus shared himself. Did he scream it with a megaphone? Ever. Did he force people into it? Ever. No. He came as a baby in a vulnerable position in Bethlehem. He walked up to a well, okay, in a region of the country where he was not supposed to tread and spoke to a person of another gender who he was not supposed to be speaking to in a humble and confident way. He came to a man who... Uh, who was at the pool of Bethesda, right? Who from our reading of it, if you remember, might have been there because of his own addictions and sin, and he healed him. See, Jesus' approach to those who had a differing perspective of him wasn't to yell or scream or forcefully persuade even. It was simply to live and display grace and humility and truth to them. And so I challenge us that um, when we're sharing this word, that it's a slow, long-term relational commitment with those that are around us every single day. I would encourage us that Holy Spirit is in that. He's with us there. But I would challenge us that Make sure that we, as we approach those around us with the truth of the gospel, that we do so in the same manner that Jesus did, in humility, but with truth. Those two things, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit's going to be present in our relationships as we declare the gospel, and that uh, we have to humbly declare the gospel to those around us that God has placed around us, uh, are important. But again, even even with those, I, I guarantee you, you'll come to a place in a conversation with someone that God has put you with, and it might be a long-term thing, right? You're walking with them, okay, you're starting here, you first meet, right? You didn't blast them with a tract, okay? 
You shook hands, you got to know them, and you talked to them, understood them. Okay? You walked down this road with them, and you begin to, begin to, be, begin to become friends, right? You interact. Maybe you're talking about a little bit deeper things, right? Conflict or something happens that, that might challenge sort of uh, the extent of life and the brevity of it, and now deeper conversations come to bear. And thank God for those, right? That he's brought those into your life and that now the opportunity to talk about something deeper is there. But guess what? Even if you've done all that work of being humble and graceful and uh, kind throughout it, you will, may still come to a place when you speak the truth to them that Jesus is your only hope. They might hate you then. They might reject you at that, at that po- moment. That, however, does not change the approach that we ought to have with people. We have to be desirous that as we walk through this world, that we see we're going to have opportunities with people. Okay? And when we share Jesus along those ways... They might reject him, not because of us, but because of his name, because of what he stands for, because he says, I am the only way for you. You can't do it on your own. You're not capable in your strength to take yourself to the Father because you're a sinner and you're broken just like I am. And you need the sacrifice of Jesus to be restored to God the Father. The reason it says you might, they might hate me because of my name is that that rubs against us entirely. In a, the deepness of our nature, we desire to accomplish it in our own strength and by our own effort. But it cannot be done. It can only be done by the blood of Jesus. So I'm okay with coexist. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But when you get down to the details of it, sometimes the world isn't okay with it. Because the most important distinctions actually can't be overcome. They're so different from one another. But that shouldn't change the way that we approach people that are different from us in their beliefs. We should still approach them like Jesus with love and humility and care and compassion because we believe that everyone, every single human life is made in the image of our Father in heaven. And so we, we have to treat them as those who are created in the image of God and call them to a restored relationship with their creator in the only way we know how. The only way there is, through Jesus. <clears throat> the long-term and costly reality of these truths and of this opposition can cause us to lose heart. It can. It can challenge us. Because, again, if you walk that long road with someone and then they don't come to faith, it's hard. It's hard to see someone at the end of all that, working with someone, say, nah, you know, I don't think I need Jesus. 
Sometimes you see that, and sometimes you see someone say, yes, I do need Jesus. And, you know, praise God for those opportunities, too. I don't want to say that they don't happen. They do. Praise God. They happen to me. They happen to all of you. <clears throat> but Jesus says this to them with purpose. Chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus, in advance of it happening to the disciples, okay? John is recollecting what Jesus said to them while they were with him. And now, I mean, you can probably sense his, like, shock, likely, um, seeing the persecution around him, very visible to the churches around him and the people around him, and saying, do you remember what Jesus said? He said this would happen. He said it decades ago that they would be putting us out of the synagogues. He said it decades ago that they would be killing us because of our faith in his name. Remember who's writing? John, the only one of the disciples who's not martyred. So as he records these words, he's not just recording them sort of flippantly. He's like, wow, Jesus said this to us a long time ago. Why did he say it to them? That you would not fall away. That you wouldn't be unaware that, you know, people don't like this message. (laughs) I'm grateful we live in a country where it's not to that point. But it doesn't make the message any easier to share with those around us. Because those around us, just as often, don't believe it and think it's crazy talk. So, uh, just a few things to go with. Don't be surprised if your faith in Jesus is offensive to those around you. I think Jesus is telling us that. Don't be surprised. If you saying, you know what, I truly believe, I, I think the only way for us to be reconciled to God the Father, our Creator, is to uh, place our faith in Jesus Christ for dying on the cross for our sins. Just don't be surprised if someone's offended by that statement. And also, this, don't get offended at someone who believes differently than you. I read this book and I can't remember all the details of this book, but I think the title sort of says it all. It's called The Bait of Satan. Uh, or the, no, it's called The Bait of Offense. That's what it is, Bait of Offense. And the fundamental uh, sort of thing that it was trying to get across is that one of the things that Satan likes to use in Christians is seeing Christians get offended. Offended by one another and offended by others. And letting that offense, like, turn us to bitterness toward those around us. Jesus is saying to us from the beginning, don't be surprised. People view life very differently than you view life. People view salvation very differently than you view salvation. So don't get offended at someone if they believe differently than you. 
It's going to happen. Rather than get offended, try and understand. So what, why do you believe that way? Where does that come from? Ask the question. Engage it, you know? Because it's come from somewhere. It didn't just get there without, you know, some sort of formation. Don't get offended when someone believes differently than you. And finally this. Pray for Holy Spirit to convict Pray for Holy Spirit to be a part of your conversations. Pray for Holy Spirit to be a part of your day. Pray for Holy Spirit to be acting in the lives of those around you. More on that next week. Um, Big old section on the work of the Holy Spirit. So pray for the Holy Spirit to convict and ask the Father for wisdom on how you are to share Jesus with humility. God desires us to commit to the long-term, costly reality of sharing Jesus throughout our lives. To some, he calls them to hand out tracts and hold picket signs. <laughs> you know what? God works through that, actually. I think he does actually work through that. I, believe, I think my God is big enough to actually use some of that. But normatively, God uses the slow long, costly relationships to demonstrate his love and his faithfulness to those he's placed around you. So commit to that and ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of it with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, even the difficult parts of it. We thank you, uh, we thank you for the promise that you told us before you left the earth that we would be hated because of Uh, your name and whatever um, level that may be at. God, particularly we uh, pray right now for countries where they are experiencing uh, this to a more costly extent than we are. Our heart breaks for places where the gospel is not legal and where believers are persecuted for their faith to the greatest extent. So God, we pray for those countries in particular that you would provide strength to our brothers and sisters who face this at the strongest level every single day. And we pray that they would be given recollection of your words and um, your disposition toward the world. And they'll walk accordingly. And we pray, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction to those who don't know you in countries where persecution is rampant. I pray for the persecutor to become saved for the persecutor to lay down his arms and to fall at the feet of Jesus and see his need in you. And God, we pray for each of us here, God, we pray that we would hold fast to our faith in you, that we would not be discouraged when the world doesn't like us or 
looks down on us or speaks hatred toward us because of where our hope is found. Pray that we find our strength in the cross and what you have done for us, Lord. And Lord, we pray too that the Holy Spirit will be working in our midst and in this city that more would come to know the love of the Father is so great he would send his son to die for us that we could be his kids. It's in his name we pray. Amen.